Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ice Cream for Everyone podcast. This is your host for the show, Willem Vanderhorst. Well, I haven't said that for quite a long while, actually. And if you're a regular listener to the podcast, well, I appreciate you coming back. And if you're a first-time listener, a recent listener, I appreciate you tuning in. Yeah, the last episode of the podcast was embarrassingly published mid-August 2020. And we are end of March, probably April by the time I published this, 2021. And I've had these two recordings hanging around since April 2020. Uh, I was recording these solo role-playing game sessions as experiments during the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, I know that at least one person was asking me for those. And I figure that it's about time to get back on editing the podcast. I uh, am talking to a few new guests. So while I wait to schedule, organize, edit the episodes, they're going to be with guests and still playing around with experimenting the Ice Cream for Everyone podcast being the podcast where play meets strategy and what that means exactly and the various things it's going to mean. And last year, I started the season five of the podcast thinking uh, I'd start a new season every year. But given we're still a year later in the pandemic of COVID-19, semi sort of stuck at home, or at least not everything is open. It depends what the situation is in your country, dif different situations in different countries. At least in France, a lot of the social, cultural, leisure, entertainment life is stunted, stalled, closed. Anyway, I haven't been around for a long time. It's giving me a broad excuse to keep calling this season five of the podcast. Really, I stopped recording and publishing for a long while. Partly, at least, I mean, I'm blaming him, but not really, but you can get it. My father unexpectedly died in September last year, sadly. I wrote about it on my blog and shared about it, if ever you want to go and check that up. In short, he was diagnosed with cancer in the spring of last year at the end of the first period of lockdown in France. And uh, he wasn't in great shape, but he wasn't expected to be passing away so fast. And uh, they tried chemo and basically didn't survive it. And however, it happened very fast. After that, in part, I wasn't up for it. And I was also, I got super busy teaching for the first time. I started teaching a few classes with a ISCOM, a French advertising and communication school uh, in the international section, which is in, uh, in English, and uh, there's a lot of international students. And uh, and I was amazed at, to discover, I mean, to I, I'd heard about it, so I kind of knew intellectually, but to really experience how easy it is to spend a lot of time planning for class content. And I had a few other projects. So also, there was also the fact that the regular podcasting I have kept going on with the publishing of Teaching Tangents, with my friend uh, James D'Souza. That's his show. If ever you haven't heard of it, you can find it on podcasts. You can find it on YouTube. We do a YouTube live uh, every week or nearly every week. It's a lot of fun. It doesn't take me a lot of effort or time. It's not for everyone, but I enjoy it. Uh, we enjoy doing it, certainly. And uh, basically, the show is that each week uh, or each episode, James has a new question for me, for you, my young person or from a student. It's an actual question they wonder about. That might be of interest to more people than one person. So he asked me the question. I don't know what it is. And I attempt to answer it. We discuss a bunch of things that it makes me think about um, teaching tangents. So that's another show that I have kept going in the meantime. As for Ice Cream for Everyone, I know that not all that many people have been listening. Although I, I'm, still have, I'm still getting some regular downloads. Uh, obviously a lot less than when I stopped publishing. Uh, I apologize for that. But uh it's nice to know that enough of few there's a few people that will occasionally gently nudge me to get back to it, and I hugely appreciate that. So thank you very much. Uh, I'm planning some recording with some cool guests coming up soon, as I said, uh, and it's about time I get back to my solo tabletop role playing game of Iron Sworn, which is cringe pretty cringe worthy to get back to. Uh, but as I said, at least one person told me they enjoyed it and would love to listen to the rest of it. So thank you for the encouragement. Special credit to Eric on this side of things. So briefly, what else has been happening before I get on to other things? Quick whistle stop tour. I won't go on for too long, but obviously you can skip ahead a few minutes if you just want to hear about the rest of my Iron Sword and Sword role playing game story. Uh, but as I mentioned, I just started teaching a few classes with ISCOM. They have an international section. And from September last year, I was teaching a class called Digital Brand Environment with the second year students, as in so the second year after high school. Uh, another class called Global Brands and Brand Culture with the fifth year students, who had their final exam on Monday, actually. 
I coached fourth year students on a program where they were set up as mock communication agencies and had to work on live brief with a client, a real client. Uh, so, and I, I'm still, uh, well, I was uh, tutoring the same class of students for year, their year long personal research projects. And I'll be hearing them out uh, later in June this year uh, for the final results of that. And I also prepared and organized talks and workshops. And I had a coaching on a few other kind of short-term challenges and programs with the students um, occasionally. And I have a couple of other classes that just started this semester. Still in Paris, happy to be here, even though most people, and like most people, I think, I mean, I think anyway, I'd like to have it more open uh, for things to be a mo bit more easy, to have a bit more social events, co conferences, to be a little bit easier to canvas and make contacts and look for freelance projects uh, because they've been a little bit thin on the ground. There have been a few, but it's been a little bit rough, to be honest. Um, and uh, altogether, you know, it would be nice to not be on a curfew. Longer stories about pandemic management of that. Uh, I don't want to get into that for now, but and it's also the kind of stuff that I prefer talking about in person, prefer really around coffee, wine or beer, because it quickly goes into I mean, it is obviously going into politics. Uh, as in the broad sense of politics, of managing society and what you want to have happen in society and how it happens. Uh, so been reading a lot more than before. Uh, I've had a couple of good projects on the freelance side of things uh, with an agency client towards the end of last year and earlier this year, just like a couple of weeks ago. Help them win and begin implementing work with a, a big pitch of theirs. So that's cool. Uh, we're waiting for news on another big pitch I recently helped them with. I had a couple of interviews for full-time roles, but both were rebriefed into different kinds of roles, so that's just not happening. Not a lot going on. I'm still interested. I mean, I'm freelancing and independent, interested in full-time roles, uh, if ever some come up. But in the past year, there's been more people with my kind of experience who have either left or been let go, and younger, I mean, anyway, people who have been promoted uh in rather than a lot of seemingly a lot of senior positions and roles open and available it seems like anyway so that's what i've observed um yeah so i'm slowly working on a bunch of different ideas online workshops exercises getting back to the podcasts stuff involving uh, exercise around play and uh i'll probably keep testing and start scheduling possibly have people pay for workshops and just like have them open uh for people to participate in. And uh, and of course, if you got like straight up strategy and planning work, I'm happy to help. Keep in touch. Uh, obviously, you can still find the rest of the podcast and everything else I write and publish. I started publishing book reviews because, as I said, I, I got back into forcing myself to read a little bit more in an age of getting easily distracted with social media. I, I slowed down my social media use massively. In terms of podcasts, I started listening to the Philosophize This podcast from the very beginning. I knew about the podcast, but I cherry-picked episodes rather than listening from the beginning because it's just all evergreen, chronological, a history of philosophy. So I got a little bit bored of listening to, you know, media podcasts about pandemic management and such like. So I kind of like thought, okay, let's just go back to something a little bit more timeless and evergreen, um, such as philosophy thinking. I'm reading a philosophy book at the moment and reading history and literary and Stuff there, just a little bit more. Yeah, as I said, and like one of the, so actually that's a good segue because to be a little bit more specific about this episode's content, actually just let me, of course you can find everything. Let me just say this. Uh, always keep in touch if you, I'd love to hear back from you. Uh, take a few minutes to write a five-star review of the podcast. That's awesome because it helps other people find it. You can find everything else that I do on my website. That's at www.icecreamforeveryone.net. The full website is in French and in English, but there's always a lot more content on the English side than on the French side. I should be doing more in French, but uh, I don't. And um, yeah, on reading, a little bit more specific on this episode's content, I'd mentioned Joseph Campbell's and his hero's journey before, very famous. And of course, I know of it, uh, but and I use the diagram and framework and reference of the hero's journey uh, but I haven't actually read any of his books really I, I just picked the like summaries online and now I'm making efforts to read a lot more books I got uh, I have the, his Joseph Campbell's collected works in the hero with a thousand faces sitting right here on my desk I think it's going to be one of the next ones I uh, read very soon but I haven't really started yet so 
while I mentioned the hero's journey for the solo role-playing game podcast in the episodes one and two of Iron Sworn, uh, by the way, I could have said this way earlier, I forgot. This is episode, obviously, part three of playing Iron Sworn. Uh, while there's been a long delay since part one and part two, uh, the recordings are from last year. This recording of the intro is from 2021. If you want to hear the rest of it and how all, all of this works, I invite you to go back to episodes one and two that were previously published on the podcast because uh, you won't understand necessarily. I'm not going to go back over the rules and the background of everything. I'm just doing a very short summary of what happened to the character before uh, in case you listened to those episodes a while back. So you'll be able to, if you listened a while back it, and if you listened to the first time, it's well, it's probably better to listen to the intros, but uh, well, you'll, I guess you'll figure out. You can, if, if you listen, you can tell me if you enjoyed listening to this without having listened to the first ones. Um, so instead of talking about the Hero of the Thousand Faces, which will come once I read it, I thought I'd talk about randomized tables or semi-random. So the idea is to talk a little bit about creative input and inspiration for use in work and brainstorming sessions. I, I, I edited a lot of the time out of what I'm publishing. So I, I published about 40 minutes of game content. I removed a lot of ahs and ums, which is a bane for me. You know that I do a lot if, I, if you listen to this podcast regularly. But I also removed a lot of what was not interesting. Uh, thinking time where I just like don't say anything or mumble for a while. I removed all of that. But for the most part, while I remove a lot of dead time, the rest of it is as is. So I removed bits and pieces to make it shorter, but it, it, still leaving a lot of hesitation, um, just like I did now, umming and awing. The idea is that it's more, I guess, authentic. I don't know if it makes it more interesting. Hopefully, by virtue of it being shorter, it makes it at least listenable, perhaps. You'll have to tell me. I, I'm interested in knowing what you think. I know my stuff is not for everyone. Some people are not interested. Um, but uh, but I also know that some people literally ask for it. So hopefully this is at the very least for those one or few people. I, I notice how challenging it can be when I'm doing this solo role-playing game that I don't have that much experience with to come up with new twists and turns in the story. And without giving anything away, you'll probably hear that as well. That's why I'm stopping. I'm, I'm like wondering what's going to happen next. And one of the main engines of the game of Ironsworn and quite a few games in this trend that I think I can place with D. Vincent Baker's Apocalypse World. And that I talked about in the episode that I published with Eric Woning last year. And Eric is the person who's asking about Ironsworn. Uh, for the most, one of the ideas of those games, and Ironsworn is a little bit similar, is that for the most mathematically probable outcome on a double dice roll, seven to nine with two regular six-sided six dice, the outcome is some kind of mitigated success. In Iron Sworn, it's called a weak hit, and meaning it means that the character only partially succeeds at what they're trying to do, but a twist happens that complicates the situation as well. And it's an engine for interesting storytelling and to have stuff bounce around and bounce back to make it more dramatic. But I also noticed for myself that when I'm in the midst of saying, telling the story myself as a solo role-playing game, I found it really challenging to come up with interesting ideas because it's because you're, you're trying to be the person interpreting the character, telling the story and being the arbiter of the bad and good things that happen at the same time. And this is the part where the value of collecting possibly randomized tables of stuff that Ironstorm has and calls the oracles so those are tables with numbers and either glancing at them for inspiration um, or throwing dice, consulting the results can really help. And, and, and that's the idea, helps come up with new ideas and keep improvising the story as you go. We talked about those in an episode of the French-speaking tabletop role-playing game theory podcast that I participate in, Les Voix d'Altaride, and I've mentioned this a few times in the podcast. And I mention it again because I'm probably stealing ideas from my friend Julien Xavier that I do the podcast with, and Sandra, who might have been on that episode, I can't remember. Uh, so anyway, the least I can do is credit them because I'm stealing ideas from them, literally. Or at least there's a lot of discussion and a lot of learnings that come out of that podcast for me that I use in, elsewhere. So, and, and working creative communications, and a lot, of, a lot of the people listening to this podcast do, uh, there's opportunities that come up in actually in a lot of corporate environments to 
go to meetings to come up with ideas, whether it's a brainstorm or something else, like coming up with new ideas. And as a strategist, part of my role is to, or can be, to prepare a brief or a structure for this kind of meeting uh, when I'm briefing someone. And the norm, uh, the other norm for a brainstorm tends to be having people come up with ideas, post-it notes, or similar based on some kind of objective. But we're all hoping for the ideas to come out of nowhere, out of people's heads. But it can be really difficult to come up with interesting ideas from nothing, actually. And or first rounds and many rounds tend to be pretty obvious stuff because it's actually really, really difficult to come up with stuff out of the blue. And there's a notion uh, that I totally uh, adhere to that new ideas come from combining existing concepts into new ones. The, the, if you think about it that way, then one of the ideas or one of the intentions can be to facilitate how do you draw out stuff that people have in their heads to then combine it into new existing things, to new concepts and new ideas. And so it's like, all right, so what's in people's heads and how do you draw that out in a way that comes naturally and easy for people? Because I find that sometimes, all right, asking you point blank to come up with a new idea, it's difficult or the idea is going to be obvious. Whereas preparing and bringing stuff to the brainstorm uh, or the workshop or the meeting can be incredibly valuable. I mean, I bring stuff that is going to give people new ideas, is going to give them, uh, it's going to jig their memories and it's going to activate their memories to come up with interesting stuff that then they can and we can all recombine into new ideas. So for strategists listening or for anybody organizing this type of brainstorms and meetings, it can be like a playful add-on to the creative brief. And um, the, these tables, which is a very common thing in tabletop role-playing games, is something that I occasionally repurpose for brainstorm meetings. So, for example, the, the Oracle tables in um, Ironsorn have, uh, there's tons. So they have this one Oracle is for action, and it's 100 words and uh, verbs. So defeat, control, break, surrender. Then we have themes like shelter, leader, fear, corruption, freedom, debt, religion, spirit. Uh, we have uh, location descriptors, exposed, broken, protected. There's tons of different things. There's name generators, uh, a high mount, frost mount, high cairn, dark well, creatures, historical events, etc. So there's a lot, all these different tables that you can either throw dice to have random results come up, or you could just like take a glance at those tables and see what you're inspired, what inspires you. And similarly. If you happen to be working on a brief or preparing some kind of meeting where you have to come up with new ideas, uh, and let's say for the purpose of an example, it's easier to have a goal. Uh, so let's say your brief or uh, and, and let's say I'm working on a brief to come up with new product ideas for a chain of supermarkets. Um, I might do the research as a strategist or the person holding the meeting, because uh, you don't have to be a strategist to hold that kind of meeting to identify a bunch of the most likely, unlikely, trendy, popular, uh, interesting elements and set them up in similar tables for participants in a brainstorm to see. So, or maybe they could be on cards to draw randomly. They could be, you could prepare post-its in advance or, um, or reference cards. So cards can be things like the um, play, like just empty cards, reference notes, uh, or you can use them, and which I'm doing now, and with my examples, uh, bring six-sided dice and uh, six-sided dice, and have uh, tables with six elements, and you just throw dice. So that's also what I mean by playful strategy: is to add random or playful elements to jiggle the memory, jiggle the mind, and bring in new ideas. So, for example, uh, in this idea of preparing a meeting for new product ideas for a chain of supermarkets. I could have a table called uh, aisles or section of the supermarkets. And every time there's six for a six regular six-sided die, it's for one is fresh produce and two canned goods, three refrigerated and deli section, four dairy products, five frozen foods, six breakfast products. And then you mix and match with another one about trends, which this one I picked, I picked trends from the Waitrose 2021 food and drink report. Uh, Waitrose is a chain of supermarkets in the United Kingdom. Uh, which is world famous because they do big ads and there they belong to the John Lewis group. Uh, so one, preserving and fermenting. Two is foraging. Three, virtual cooking. Chinese uh, rice vinegar for four. Five, healthy Mediterranean meals. Six, slow-cooked meats. And then the last one with trendy TikTok foods and recipes. 
Uh, one, feta baked pasta, the super famous one. Two, tornado omelette, the Korean one. Three, mini pancake cereals or mini croissants, mini donuts, mini cookies, all those. Uh, four, the whipped coffee, Dolgona coffee. Five, one pan egg sandwich. Six, cloud bread. You could keep going. And uh, like an easy one is to have at least six tables of six items and then you can throw two dice. Or if you have like six-sided dice, you can also do long tables with a lot of stuff. So I get, I, I think you get the point. The idea on the strategy side is we, we tend to think that we need to find one single-minded short sentence idea proposition, uh, which is a traditional way of thinking in advertising and communications, which is cool, but also looking for whole sets of words, ideas, themes, like I've just exposed here, can really kickstart ideas in a broad territory that you define as the person holding the meeting by virtue of what goes into those kinds of tables. So there's thinking to say, like, what do you think the six most, ten most uh, interesting likely things are to as fodder to kickstart ideas? Um, and then what those kinds of creative tables can be, can generate as ideas and kickstart a lot more ideas than only one single-minded short sentence or one objective to say, okay, we need new product ideas. What do you have? Because that's what usually happens. And uh, we our minds don't really work like that. You need to give our minds ideas. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. And one of the possible ways is what I was just talking about. So, yeah, now all that said, you'll also hear in me playing the Iron Storm game that it's a lot easier said than done. Even with lots of tables and when I'm in the middle of it, I don't have the most exciting ideas at all while playing. You'll see. Uh, particularly when my character is dealing with all sorts of challenges at the same time that might seem easy for your average hero, but are not easy at all in the rough, quite rough setting of the Ironlands. Uh, so that's about it. Uh, I'll let on myself play from last year uh, for the third session of playing the solo role-playing game Iron Soren with Turilius the Iron Monk. <laughs> Aurelius wakes up, managing to have slept or rested or snoozed a little bit for a few hours in the small that like uh, under the in the undergrowth, the mossy undergrowth uh, amongst a couple of really large roots of this big oak tree. And uh, I mean, he's pretty tired. His fortunately, his healing skills and herbs the balm he put on his uh, sprained ankle his ankle feels a little bit better he just kind of like twists moves it around a little bit and it's the first time he spends a whole night out not out of the monastery i mean it's summer he has been out of the monastery for a couple of nights kind of just with his friends that has happened in the past a few times but this is different this is a whole other environment this is him going out in the unknown a little bit further he's just reached further than he has ever been from the village uh and is hopeful that there's not that much more left to the forest and starts with his daily prayers and prays to the iron god getting ready and wishes the iron god to give him blessing for this journey in particular to find a way to go beyond the woods back to the main road hopefully avoiding the raiders uh, or any kind of other or untowards and it's kind of difficult because he's not sure whether to keep pursuing in the woods and whether that keeps him to the good side of the road because he's not entirely certain because he hasn't been this far uh and whether there are any dangerous animals in the woods or whether it's better to risk whatever's going on in the road and whether the raiders are there and also a little bit worried in the back of his mind whether the raiders are pushing towards the high rock monastery or what their destination actually or intentions actually are. So roll the god stats. So that's a plus iron plus two on my roll. That's a four. That's a six. Challenge dice. It's a weak hit. So it's a hit. So I got one momentum. So I go back up to five. The, the numbers may not mean, mean anything to you, but that's generally a good thing. I am progressing on my quest and I have momentum towards it. So that's generally a good thing. So I scout ahead. I'm going to be just preparing for my journey and I have a plus one because I sojourned 
And I, I had like extra preparation towards pursuing my journey at the end of yesterday, I believe. So once I'm finished with my prayers, I will just take stock of what's going on in this forest and get ready. Just shake us a little bit, jump a few hops uh, just to make sure my, my ankle is better. It's still a little bit painful, but it feels a lot better. Uh, and I was able to heal myself overnight. I'm still very young after all. And uh, very luckily, this wasn't a massive fall. So, so far, so good. No crazy, crazy danger. And uh, feel like, you know, looking at the moss on the sides of a few different trees, um, feeling like I can see the forest or the woods uh, clear up a little bit to my right, which should be east, should be where the road is if all goes went well. So orienting myself because I'm pretty good at uh, figuring my way, even though this is kind of new for me. I've, I've been to the edge of this wood before, as I've mentioned. This is going further, but I feel like I've got the right direction. So I'll undertake the journey. I'm rolling wits, which I've got plus two, and I have a plus one from the following morning. So I, I add three to my six-face die, and then I throw my challenge dice at the same time. So that's a four plus three, seven, and a double two. So that's a matched success, which adds an uh, adds a twist. And on a strong hit, I reach a waypoint. Waypoint unknown, envision it, make a use of your resource. Plus it's a, it's a good one, because uh, as I mentioned in the last episode, when I roll a double, it's a match. And that's, uh, in this particular case, a match success. So something un- uninteresting, something good happens to me. So I'm going to use the, uh, the tables from the Oracle. So as I mentioned, the Oracle are all these randomized tables where you throw dice and it gives you a little bit of inspiration. The idea here is that I, I believe I, 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 I fulfill my intention, which was to go back to the road. Uh, and hopefully ahead of the raiders, or at least I don't come across them because it's a good success, so I think I don't come across them. And I come across a location, which I'm going to throw a couple of dice to figure out what it is. And I rolled a 56. Um, a grove. Okay. Uh, 56 is a grove, and uh, there's a descriptor. 24, a wild grove. So I undertake a journey and I got to a good result. And I think I I'm, I'm get back to the road with no signs of any dangerous armed raiders at the very least. And I think the fortunate surprise or the unexpected twist here is I come across a um, cart, uh, a traveler. Uh, uh, so there's a couple of um, traveling merchants or what seems to be merchants as I approach and, and get out of the the, the, the grove, uh, those woods, and I get to a little bit of a clearing, and I can clearly see the um, the roads pathway that connects a couple of different communities and villages, as far as I've been told by Father Aurelius, my mentor, uh, the elderly mentor, wherein I left the monastery of Norm's Rock, my uh, the village where I grew up, as it is character to this. And um, I can see there. They, there's a bit of a fire, or not a fire actually, because it's let's say so. I started early in the morning, and it's probably lunchtime by the time I get to that spot. Uh, having walked as fast as I could through the forest, hoping that it was some kind of um, shortcut, basically is my intention. Uh, the intention was for the forest to be a shortcut, and I think I, I've probably succeeded at that. And I come up to. What I can see are uh, there's four or five people. There's a couple that seem to be armed. A couple of other that I, I'm tagging as probably merchants of some kind. One of them has a little bit of a larger belly. They're older adults uh, guarded by a couple of younger people. That One has a the axe and the other one seems to have a sword of some kind in a scabbard. So they, they're protected by a couple of guards. Uh, there's two merchant carts that are drawn by um by uh, bulls maybe not bulls maybe horses um and uh, they seem to be chatting and so i go up to them uh this one has uh there's a couple of you know the people that i'm tagging or believing are the merchants seem to have a little bit 
wealthier type clothes. I mean, they're a little bit cleaner. They're a little bit not super, like, you know, not artist. It's still hardworking, uh, rough around the edges. This is like, these are harsh lands, so they're not like nobles or anything. And I don't think there's anything like that around here. But they do have a couple of um, gems and uh, on their rings and fingers. Uh, they seem to have a, a little bit of marks of richness going about them. I wave from afar just to show that I don't have any weapons and I probably look a tiny bit grimy, uh, worse for wear, having been through the forest rather than walking out through the road. Uh, I can see a couple of the guards just who don't have their helmets. They're next to them, uh, put their hands on their hips uh, close to the sword. Uh, the one of the guards that has the sword, the other one reaches for his axe that is uh, to the side. But... They seem to calm down, and one the, the one with his sword keeps his hand kind of on the scabbard a bit. And I introduce, I just kind of like wave at them and go, "Hey, hey, hey I'm I'm a uh, Terilius," and they they might have recognized that I have uh, the garb of my of an iron monk. And I wave my arm that has the shackle, the iron shackle bracelet, as well as showing up my iron pendant that is the mark of uh, being an iron monk. Uh, and uh, the guard of the sword eases up a little bit, uh, and I walk up a little bit closer towards them to be just a couple of meters, a few meters away, just, you know, like five or something, uh, close enough to have a conversation and make sure they're not wary and also that I'm not too close just to be able to judge of their own uh, attitudes and what they want to get up to with me as well. I introduce myself and go, hi, I'm uh, Terilius, Terilius the Iron Monk. One of the two merchants uh, seems to kind of like raise an eyebrow towards me and they were sitting down on a couple of boxes. They seem to be sharing uh, a bit of a hard bread and uh, dried meat uh, for a bit of a lunch snack uh, amongst themselves. So the other one has this mouthful and uh, this guy that has a, a short kind of well-trimmed beard, very jet black hair, uh, salt and pepper on like the edges and points of it uh he has a tiny bit more of a, a belly i would say like, but behind uh, below his uh different furs uh, although i know i said it was summer so they don't really have fur like massive amounts of fur they're just like wearing a light kind of shirt uh, grimy they've been on the road for a little bit presumably well met iron monk what are you doing coming out of the woods like we're we're, we're you're we're far from any village i mean I guess Norm's Rock is not that far. And I say, yes, so are you headed there, coming from there? Where, where, uh, this, and Merchant says, yeah, I, I guess we, we are headed towards, uh, Norm's Rock at the moment. And, uh, what, uh, what fare ye? What, what are you doing out in the forest? So Terilius explains what happens and, uh, tells them that there are probably raiders on the way. He's not exactly sure what they were up to, where they went whether they're going to be picked up or what the situation is, but uh, that it might be dangerous going up ahead and gives them all the information he has. And uh, the merchants, quite um, thankful, uh, uh, tell them that, uh, well, share basically some food with him and give him a couple of uh, extra pieces of dried meat, I suppose. I ask about the High Path Monastery and whether it's this way and... Uh, so they explained to me that if I do good progress on the road, I should be getting there by the end of the day, basically. Uh, there's just going to be a split in the road just a little bit further, and I have to take a right, uh, taking the high path towards the um, the cliffs. So I just have to take the high path towards the cliffs, and uh, it's pretty obvious and self-explanatory, and uh, they, they've been there before. They come from the other side, but they basically tell me exactly which way I should be going. Do I gather information? I guess this is gathering information, I suppose. All right, so that's plus two wits. Let's see. That's eight. And it's a weak hit. I take plus one momentum. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, the information complicates your quest or introduces a new danger. Envision what you discover as the will take one momentum. Okay, so I think the the twist, the slight twist, is they explain to me where to go, and um, the very very dry summer led to a 
they believe, a wildfire not that long ago that damaged one of the bridges crossing a river. Um, so the river is quite strong at this moment of the year. Uh, and uh, there's just like a little bit of danger. I, I'm going to have to figure out. They, they're not sure. They haven't been there. They just heard that from other people. There you go. Uh, so they heard that from other people. I thank them for their help uh, and tell them to be very careful. Uh, they asked for my blessing. So I grant them a blessing and I spend time giving them a blessing of alms, the iron provider and uh, go on my way, basically. So I've got six momentum at the moment and I'm going to just keep walking. And this is pretty straightforward, I suspect, until I get to the waypoint of that kind of river and broken bridge that they talked about. So at this particular point, I just like cross through, walk for a couple of hours. It's a bright sunny day. It's really hot. I just take off some of my equipment because uh, I'm carrying a quite heavy bag. So it's just like wiping some sweat off my brow and, um, and off uh, just drinking a little bit of water from my skin. And otherwise the road is fairly quiet. Uh, there's not many people on it. I cross paths with another uh, merchant and a person on a, a couple of people on horses. There you go. Who might be, I don't know, traveling. Um, but otherwise, it's about it. And uh, at the split of the road, find out that, yes, indeed, there's one side that is going up towards the cliffs. And that is the high path. And uh, so I take that one. And a couple of hours later, so this is kind of like mid-afternoon, I reach the point where there's a deep, uh, so it's it's quite a high point and craggy, rocky uh, couple of rocks that are maybe just five to ten meters down in a in a encased encased kind of river at the bottom. Uh, not kind of, it's it's a river. Uh, that's moving a little bit fast. It looks not too dangerous from here, but I can see just from the side of a couple of rocks, the clear waters that are moving quite fast. And they, the travelers I'd met said it was kind of treacherous, so to be careful. And as they mentioned, the bridge is kind of half falling down um, because it seems to have been damaged on one side. So it was a, a makeshift bridge, and I can either try to go across it but with the risk of it might of me of it snapping or i can try to go across from the river but risk the the dangerous waters is what's going on and uh so Terilius is unsure uh he's not reached anything like this before uh and he is not extremely strong but he's courageous i suspect I mean, he's got them just looking at his stats. So he's got some courage and hmm, he just like looks at the bridge and it's it's made of um, some rope to the sides. And it's one of the two ropes that are holding the main sections of the bridge. That it, So it's a balancing bridge. Um, seems to be just on the verge of cracking and he's kind of testing the other rope to see if he could maybe just hold himself up across that one rope and without putting his weight on the other side of the bridge thinking probably he can make it and um i'm gonna go with a and he decides just with a just another tug of the rope and looking down to the rocks below and thinking i'm not not sure about just climbing down and crossing the river directly and feels like if he just holds on to the rope to the side that looks like it's more solid that he should be able to go through. So, and the face danger, so I'm going to make the face danger move once he's just kind of feeling like this is the right move. Uh, he's doing it with courage because honestly, that is uh, to my advantage. Um, actually, I mean, it's more observation. Let's do that one. So that's, uh, that's it. So, so roll plus bits. Oof, one, Ooh, that's three. Roll my challenge dice. That's not good. Oof. Six and a ten. Okay, so uh, can I even use momentum? I can, I don't think I can. Oh, maybe I can because I have six. Ah, I can't. <laughs> okay, so it's a miss. I, uh, so I 
make way. What happens in this? It's like the worst that can happen, I guess. You fail. Ooh. Progress is undermined by a dramatic and costly turn of events. Okay, so uh, I failed. And uh, so I'm, I make my way onto the bridge, just like holding onto the rope and kind of like walking sideways on one side of the bridge. Uh, all the way to the middle where the bridge is just affecting, is, is falling completely to one side uh, because the other rope is barely holding and I pay the price. How does that work? The most obvious negative outcome happens. Okay, so so I'm making my way slowly across the bridge. It's not very wide, but, it, but so I'm, and I'm probably just above the water and the other side of the rope snaps. So one side of the bridge snaps and I was kind of like holding on to one side and I try to catch up, but something, I mean, the, the, the bridge itself is just like moving in a way that I hadn't expected. And I'm trying to hold on to the, to the rope for dear life. I'm going to ask the Oracle. I think I'm going to go with the odds of me falling are 50-50. I might just hold on to the rope and I might not and I do I hold on to the rope so I'm holding on to the rope for dear life and uh just trying to catch my balance back again so I have to try to look around I try to hold on to the rope and just accelerate basically and just like hold on to the rope that is still holding the bridge together before the whole thing collapses I think is what's going on so I'm going to go roll plus heart. I keep rolling a one. This is so bad. That's four. Ugh. <laughs> it's a double nine. Okay, so uh, this is a bad matched fail. So as I accelerate, I actually put more strain on the rope that I thought was a good one. And I thought the good rope was holding. And actually, it turns out that it wasn't. The whole thing comes tumbling down. And I just... My stomach just reels and I can feel, you know, the feeling where you're falling from a long height or if ever you've been on a bungee jump or a zip line, you kind of like the whole feeling comes up. And this is exactly what happens to Aurelius while he's uh, just falling. The bridge snaps and he has got a split second to decide whether he's going to just fall in the river or fall slammed shut with the rest of the bridge, like holding onto the rope. So he drops the rope and falls into the river. So I guess I can suffer harm. Well, I guess, so do I fall on a rock? 50-50 chance. I do. <laughs> That's not good. Okay. Uh, so I endure harm. What happens then? Suffer health foe, blah, blah, blah. Equal to your foe's rank. I need to put give it a rank. I guess dangerous. I, I mean, it's a dangerous river. So let's... Uh, Suffer minus health equal to your foe's rank. So that's minus two health. So I was back up at five health. That good, brings me down to three health. That's not good. And I have still more health, so I'm rolling plus health. I'm changing my die. This is a bad die. It's giving me bad rolls. Five plus three, eight. Okay, so that's, that's uh, some, some chance of not being absolutely destroyed. And it's a success. It's a strong success. So I fall on the rock, but I managed to, I'm lucky enough that it's a kind of polished rock, half flat. So just like fall onto the side and just really hurts and then fall straight into the river. Uh, and um, okay. uh, on a strong hit, shake it off. If your health is greater than zero, exchange minus one momentum for one health. Okay, I'm going to do that because my health is not great right now. So I shake it off and the, the cold running water of the river uh, just, just gives me a burst of energy and I, I just dive in uh, and I lose one momentum. So that brings me down to five momentum. And I'm now in the raging whitewashed river. So having been just energized and waking up and this is like, all right, I'm about... I don't know, maybe I lost my pack or, I mean, I guess I still have most of everything right now. I need to try to get out of this thing. Uh, this is going down, down, uh, down valley. I mean, I'm going down the river pretty fast. So I have to try to find a way to get to the edge or hold on to a rock 
and I am now facing danger. So just trying to hold my breath, looking around, just paddling. It's not very deep, but it's just going a little bit strangely, not strangely, um, surprisingly strong, surprisingly strong current. It didn't look like it was that bad from the outside. Uh, and I need to try to find a way to get to the border and thrashing and uh, I will I'm just trying desperately to reach the side of the river and so I'm going to face danger and I do it with trying to do it with forceful strength I guess so that's iron rolling iron it's 5 plus 2 7 so it's not too bad let's see what happens with the challenge dice oh my god this fail <laughs> It sucks. Okay. I try to like make my way over to the side of the river, but the current takes me on to another side. And I guess progress is undermined by a dramatic and costly turn of events. Pay the price. Great. Um, so he's just like turning around like underwater. He doesn't really know how to swim very well. Envision. So the uh, envision two negative outcomes. Rate one is likely. On yes, that outcome happens. One negative outcome is I lose my pack, my set, my bag. If let's assume I still have it, and the other that that is likely, and the other one is that I just hit a rock or or some obstacle. The bag is lightly likely. Okay, let's do that. So that's twenty six or greater another day, and uh, I I I don't. <laughs> So, I mean, yes, the likely thing happens. Sorry, the likely thing happens. So I just thrash around and I lose my bag uh, with all of my stuff, the herbs. Okay, and I just like gone down further down the river and now I'm thrashing around. I swallowed some water. I start to be freaking out. I start freaking out. I see a, a tree uh, onto the side and uh, try to grab that uh, with aggressive action just like try to thrash around like moving my arms just like all wet i'm starting to get really cold but it's all happening extremely fast and roll another one <laughs> so bad <laughs> three okay uh oof, oof, oof. okay weak hit Whew. okay uh i succeeded just like barely with the side like from the edge of my fingers just from one hand grab onto a branch that's onto the side of this uh kind of like now almost or at least feels like a raging river to me to anybody else walking by it probably doesn't look like that but there's a a, a, a bit of a clearing uh not a clearing just a few branches of trees and i'm just holding on for dear life and i am uh tired and suffer one harm actually i'm dispirited and afraid so i'm just choosing what what consequence and i endure one stress I guess I lose supplies because I lost my bag. I think it's an important loss. I lose two supplies. And if I'm under shock and despair, by I'm really terrible, I'm scared. Well, plus spirit of what, plus heart, whichever is higher. So spirit is at five. It's seven. And that's a success. So I shake it off. I can embrace the darkness. I take plus one momentum. And I manage to just pull myself off the, out of the river. Just barely after like this shock and feeling like I'm cold and tired and my muscles are hurting. I've got some bumps and bruises from a few different rocks at the bottom and to the sides. And I managed to just get out of the water drenched, having lost my bag and most of my stuff, my herbs, my knife's gone. Actually, I had it on my, to my side, so I think that I still have the knife. Um, but certainly, fortunately, my bracelet is shackled to my arm so i still have that the wooden staff is gone that's gone and i just catch my breath on the side of a river and just start i mean i look around basically uh looking around and it looks like at least i mean i'm just gonna say at least i'm on the right side of the river uh the side that i wanted to go down I'm, I'm on the other side of the river compared to where i was before i'm just arbitrarily deciding that that's a plus points for me i think it's still a hot day. Now that I've gotten out of the river, I just breathe it out. Um, I, I don't know what time of the day it is. I mean, it's in the afternoon still. Just dry a little bit, look around, and uh, 
and I, I have to just scramble back up the rocks, but they're not really dangerous. So I don't think it's a face danger thing. I can just like scramble myself back up. I don't really have much to eat. And I'm going to look around from the top to see like where am I compared to where the road is and just like to make my way to the right position. Presumably I have to go keep going up the towards the cliffs. So I just that's my way to look at it. So I try to secure an advantage rolling plus wits. I add one, uh, so that's plus two for my wits and plus one for the wayfinder. So that's a seven, four. I rolled a four. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so I rolled a seven and an eight. It's not high enough. I just, that is, so, I'm so bad with dice. I don't know how long this character is going to survive in these places. So I missed a securing an advantage. I fail and or my assumptions betray you. Pay the price. So paying the price is the most obvious negative outcome happens as I, I, I go in the wrong direction. I'm pretty sure this is the right direction to get back to the road. And I walk in that direction. So the most what happens is I, I, I walk for like a little bit over an hour and I haven't gotten to the road. I'm still going uphill, but I'm not at the road or, or, uh, thinking this was right. I'm not, nor, nor am I on the cliff. I'm, I'm just like wandering through high grass at this point and think that I should, like, I didn't stay very long in that river. I should have gotten back to the road now. And I realize I'm not, I've not been going in the right direction. I don't know where I am. So I'm going to try to gather information so I stop and I, I just look around for any significant landscape points, something that I might have, that might indicate where I could get help, basically, or indicate that this might be the right direction, given what I've heard. I add plus one and I'm going to do this with wits, because that's gathering information. So that's a two plus three is five. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I rolled a five and an eight. So I failed. On a miss, your investigation unearths a dire threat or reveals an unwelcome truth that undermines your quest. Great. Pay the price. <laughs> awesome. Um, two ne- All right. So envision two negative outcomes. Right, I'm going to roll the... I'll roll on the table. I'll try to roll on the table of pay the price. Let's see what happens. A new danger of foe is revealed. Fantastic. Okay, so um, it's getting late in the day, and I'm looking around, trying to find some landscape, some something that, you know, maybe a column of smoke, maybe something that might indicate a house, something that would help me. And um, as I'm looking around, and I'm walking around, and, and I'm, I'm so focused on looking at the horizon that I, I just... I'm taken by, almost surprised by something that I should have seen on what seems to be pretty open lands. But there's a boar, wild boar, charging at me. And I can see just his snout and his, uh, his uh, uh, what's it called, defenses? No, well, that's for an elephant. Uh, I mean, the big just teeth coming out of his mouth. And he's just like, <sighs> I'm not very good at the noise. <laughs> but anyway, this thing comes charging at me, basically. Um I mean, I, I want to try to get out of its way is what's going on for me. Uh, face danger, react to an imminent threat. And I do that with uh, speed agility, I guess is edge. Okay. Five. Please, please, please. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I rolled a one and a four. Okay, so uh, that's finally a success. A strong hit. I'm successful and I take one momentum. So I just like at the last minute see this boar that is running at me. And I've got plus seven momentum, which is pretty good. Uh, I see this boar just running at me and I manage to, uh, as it's arriving, roll and just jump to the side and avoid it. And it's circling around, running again and to prepare itself to run at me once more. And I, I run away from it, I think. Um, okay, so actually this is a combat. And the and I get ambushed and the move is enter the fray. So I get a roll on wits. Plus two on my dice. So that's seven. And I roll an eight and a six, which is a 
a weak hit, and I prepare to act, so I take initiative. So this is a dangerous throw, and I take initiative, so that means I act next, I believe. And I face danger because I'm I, I'm fleeing. I want to run away from this thing. So I managed to avoid his first the first charge. Well, no, and now I face danger to try to flee and run away from this thing. So it's running at me. I just see it and I basically try to run to the, to the side as it arrives towards me. So it's a last minute dodge, basically running with heart. So that's a six. Um, do, 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 six, three and a nine, so that's a weak success. On a weak hit, I press on. Okay, cool. So I'm afraid I managed to just barely dodge this boar that came running at me. I could just, I, I got grazed by one of the tusks by just jumping right on the side and in front of it, and it's now it's turning around uh, and going to be charging me again. Eight. And I managed to run away, but uh, it just, so it's a plus four, one, God, five, one weak hit. I press on. So I just like trip and just hurt myself uh, while falling on the ground and hurt my arm. But I managed to press on and just run away from the boar. Now I have absolutely no idea where I am. Uh, and it's getting late in the day. And um, once I just keep pressing on and run and uh, catch my breath and just look around, now there's a few woods to one side and what seems to be maybe a field, some high grass where I am. I'm just like bruised and cut and just afraid and my monk's robe is just starting to be a little bit tattered, uh, definitely muddy or dirty, not muddy because it's been dry around, uh, but uh, uh, dusty for sure. Uh, definitely very dusty uh, after falling a couple of times, managed to avoid this like terrifying boar and its huge tusks. Um, and I'm, I'm going to try to just look around and figure out where, <laughs> where am I and what should I be doing? Uh, can I gather information before I uh, go, before I make camp, I suppose? Roll plus wits. Okay. Uh, and I got Wayfinder, so I got a plus one. Let's go plus three, seven. And it's a weak hit. Okay. Eight and a two. The information complicates my quest or introduce a new danger. I'll take plus one momentum. So I'm, I'm still up on momentum. So things are presumably going in the right direction, but I, I don't feel that way. Uh, or at least my character does not feel that way at all. I mean, the result I want is to find the road again. That's that's what I want. But I don't know what would make things more complicated at this stage. Coming across the raiders, but that's kind of harsh at this point. I'm going to spark an idea. Just use a random prompt. Um, a location. I'm going to roll for a location just to get some inspiration here. 84. A hill. Great. <laughs> So I see a hill from which I would be able to get more information. Um, and I walk up the hill. And from there, I'm going to be able to try and secure an advantage to figure out which way I should be going, where I could set camp. Okay, I'll try to gather information again. Seven. Come on. Okay, four and two, that's a strong hit. I'm just like rolling until I get the right result, which I suppose is, uh, you could assume sort of cheating, but not really. I'm like, okay, I'm tired. I need to find what way there is and I need to win. So I, I discover something that is helpful and specific. The path I must follow, the course to make progress is made clear. Envision what you learn and pl take plus two momentum. So from the top of the hill, that's basically what I want. I get to see the road again. And uh, not only do I get to see the road, I see the iron pillar that should be remembering what Father Aurelius described. It is the iron pillar closest to the High Path Monastery. And it is a huge lurking pillar that strangely seems to be thicker to, on the top than on the bottom. The bottom is 
quite thin and finishes in a sort of like half rounded way. And it must be at least, you know, eight to 10 meters high, like uh, 30 feet or something like that. Um, and I, I feel extremely relieved to finally see that. Uh, and I got, I come to my max momentum of 10 basically. So that's great. And I make my way, the way is clear now so I can finish and finally get to, uh, hopefully the high path monastery. And, uh, I think this is where we're going to end up this, uh, little session. And, uh, we'll pick up next time when Terilius makes it, uh, all the way to the high path monastery and find out what happens. And, uh, we're going to mark some progress, hopefully to get to the quest and talk to father Cadelius after this, um, quite dangerous and treacherous uh, journey just to falling into rivers, rope snapping and everything else. And I'm hoping to find a decent meal and hopefully some safety with uh, fellow monks from the monastery uh, to the High Path Monastery. All right. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Ice Cream for Everyone podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As I might have said at the beginning, you know that uh, sharing, posting five-star reviews, sending me a tweet, an email, whatever way that you have to express the fact that you enjoyed it, that you want to hear more from it, that you'd love to be on the podcast, that you want to play a game with me or share some interesting play or games or or ideas that you have. Uh, I'd love. It's always the encouragement and the communication and sharing is welcome. You can find all my details on the website. That's www.icecreamforeveryone.net. And that's about it for now. Have a great evening, morning, afternoon, whatever time of day or night it is for you. And I'll talk to you very soon. Bye.